Uh, looking forward to just uh, looking into his word tonight with you. If you have your Bibles, grab them. You know, I look at the privilege of, um, of, of sharing his word and realize his word is something that each and every sing- single one of us needs. Uh, as a church, we've been endeavoring to help people find Christ and find community. And uh, it's been great to hear feedback from so many of you that that is exactly what you're finding uh, here and does my heart good. So we're in a series, as you just saw, called The Mission of Christ and His Church. The mission of Christ and His Church, and we uh, started a, a number about three weeks ago. We were not here last week, but uh, just a quick recap for those who weren't here or, or maybe forgetting. In week one, we talked about a man on a mission. We talked about how Jesus came as the Son of Man, uh, also the Son of God, on a mission to save the world. We talked about uh, that Desmond Doss story of saving just one more. And that as a church, that that burns in our heart as well, is that our, we just believe his heartbeat is ours, that we want to see just one more person come to Christ, and uh, after that, just one more. Uh, his command to us was go into all the world, preach the gospel, uh, and make disciples and baptize those who've been made into disciples and continue to make more. And uh, then Zach was speaking uh, the following week about a servant on a mission. And uh, he, he had the quote from uh, uh, C.T. Studd that said, uh, Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. And uh, if you remember the story of the three servants, we're, gonna, we're actually going to end with that story again today. Uh, and if you haven't seen all those and those pique your interest, you can go online and find that on our, on our uh, YouTube channel. So today, let me just maybe start it this way. Today's talk is not an exegesis of a specific portion of scripture. And some of you are like, what is that? Anyways, the, for those who know, you're going to know this wasn't it. Uh, this was more of a, maybe a pastoral heart to heart with the congregation where only one of us gets to do the talking. Uh, what, you know, I, I consider it a great joy to have been the pastor of this church for like nearly 15 years. Link and I were figuring it out on the way here tonight. And uh, I thought, you know, what does it look like to be a church on mission? Been thinking about that a lot over the last little while. My hope tonight was that uh, as uh, I share some of these thoughts, it doesn't come across as a, as a condemnation because it, it's not that at all. It's simply, uh, I would say, an observation, a realization, and a preparation. So if you're taking notes, you can jot those down. Uh, an observation of where we are as a church, a realization of who we need to be as a church, and a preparation of how we get there. And uh, I just really wanted to look at some characteristics over the next number of weeks, and it, uh, others will be sharing as well, about the characteristics of a person or a church that lives on mission. What kind of characteristics do the people have who are on mission? If our, if, if our goal is to be on mission with Christ uh, and his church, what does it look like? And so uh, I wanted to speak about one of those characteristics tonight. And as I was prepping for it, I was reminded of um, back in the day, I've shared with some of you about teen missions. And we were talking about, I was up at a, at a, at a uh, cottage this last weekend uh, with some of the guys from our church. And we were talking about teen missions and the boot camp and teen missions. And uh, I, I was there in 1993. And teen missions was like Incredible, incredible thing. They still do some great work. Um, they were prepping a whole bunch of North American kids, like 2,000 North American city kids, how to live life in another country or another world. They brought them all to boot camp, and, and they gave them the worst of the worst. There was bugs, and there was, you know, your boots and bucket baths. If you don't know what that is, you're considered fortunate. Uh, and uh, then there was, like, mud and, uh, you know, mosquitoes and the military obstacle course that you saw a picture of earlier. You know, they make you tough out the torrential rains in just a tent. Uh, and uh, they, they had this stuff. Anybody remember Freshie? Yes. 
Yeah, that's way back, right? So for the the kids, that's what Kool-Aid, you know, Kool-Aid's big competitor that got beat out by the cool Kool-Aid guy. There was Freshie. Well, they would make Freshie of all different mixes. The Freshie of the day, that's what they called sluice lime or slouse lime. And we, we either way, it sounds disgusting. It tastes worse. And that was what we had to, to drink. And and uh, we would use the porta-potties like our cool porta-potties out there. And one thing, I mean, theirs didn't have taps in them like ours do, uh, but the porta-potties were actually the high-end bathrooms at boot camp because they knew where we were going around the world. You might not even get that. There's a place where my brother went and they had just a log over a ditch and that's where you went. Men and women, figure it out. I'm like, man, a porta potty sounds pretty amazing right about now. You know, the, uh, They'd have these services under the big top tent every night, and uh, the kids all had to come up with songs. And there, there was one song that became very, very popular. And uh, you may have heard some of these lyrics in a, in a different song uh, before, but it went something like, I don't want no more of boot camp life. Gima, I want to go back to Ontario. Gima, I want to go home. And uh, I, I think, you know, the... the Desire was to get out of this place of terror before they got sent to somewhere even worse. Some kids never made it out of boot camp, and you know, other ones did go home. Uh, but the mission that they had us at boot camp was like, we want you to be aware of the fact that the comforts of home, you're not going to find them out there. Many of them don't exist. And uh, then we went out on the mission field. Man, I could tell you stories for an hour of what it was like to be in Venezuela in 1993. And I knew from the moment that I arrived in Venezuela, I was called to missions in Canada. (laughs) Because it was like nothing I'd ever experienced before. But, you know, we came back after, I think we were gone for like eight weeks, uh, 15 years old with a whole bunch of others. came back after eight weeks and we gathered around in Florida uh, and we began to debrief and talk about with other missionaries, um, for, uh, teens that had gone to other countries, what it was like. And they began to tell their stories. You know, I remember my brother coming back. He's like, we ate grubs out of like a rotten tree in Papua New Guinea. And we're like, disgusting. And he's like, it was awesome. And we're like, all right. You know, and then others were like, yeah, a girl fell off the log into the latrine. Right? You know, she does, she'll never do that again. But I can't wait to go back again. You know, and then it was one of my buddies. He's like, we had to hide out, literally hide out for two days because the country we went to all of a sudden had a civil war happen while we were there. He's like, we were terrified. And yet we saw God's protection in our life. And I remember just thinking about some of those things. I realized, wow, that's where I found out uh, for really how real God is, uh, how you didn't need stuff to be happy. I saw people give their lives to Christ, really give their lives to Christ. I watched them get baptized in rivers and swamps uh, and uh, thought, man, there is something, something so cool about this. And then I remember uh, being challenged and others as well, overcoming some of their fears that they had and really learning to trust God in big ways. And I was like, man, boot camp and all this stuff, we're all the, it was uncomfortable, but it was awesome. It was uncomfortable, but it was off, awesome. And I'm often reminded of that when I think about living on mission as a, as a man and as a church. And so tonight I want to take a look at that characteristic of being comfortable or maybe being uncomfortable. And that today's talk, as you saw the title, is just about being comfortably uncomfortable. That we become comfortable with, this, uh, with being uncomfortable. So you know when I think about our culture as a whole right now. I can't help but seeing in our North American culture that comfort is one of the goals. It's one of the things that, that people are attempting to achieve in, in any way possible. 
think about the products we have, you know, clothing made for comfort, bedding made for comfort, shoes for comfort, food. We have comfort food, the comfort in. We've got like anything that can capture this word comfort. It's, it's this drawing towards it. It's, it's advertising for us because there's something in us that wants it. There's an app to make everything easier, including preaching. Chat GPT could have written this whole sermon for me if I wanted. Didn't do that, but you could. You know, aiming, and if you don't know what, never mind. Aiming, you know, for this comfort zone with our nests and smart thermostats of like, this is the zone of, of comfort. And, uh, you know, the, the word comfort zone, here's, here's a description. It's a psychological state where people are at ease and in control of their environment, experiencing low levels of anxiety or stress. And we're like, yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about like the kind of life I want, you know, a psychological state where I'm at ease. I'm in control of the environment around me. I'm experiencing low levels of anxiety or stress. Yeah. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that desire for comfort. But what we found is that there's this unhealthy de- uh, desire where that becomes the target for our lives. And we want the, you know, we see it even around, our, around us, there's, there's this push where, where, where people are like, I want you to agree with my lifestyle, celebrate my lifestyle, so that at least I don't feel uncomfortable when I'm out and around in other places. And then the promise, you can live comfortably now. Visa promises, you can have whatever you want, have it now. And the, the promise down the road of retiring comfortably. See it over and over in all different places in our culture. And yet I realize that sometimes that messaging seeps into the church as well. You know, you hear it in different ways. Like if life's comfortable, man, we must be doing it right. You know, if life's comfortable, man, the favor of God must be on us. You know, or we're blessed. Everything's going well. And we, we love that, that comfort. And we think that, that, that he must have something to do with it. And, and, and you hear it because you hear the flip side as well. If life's uncomfortable, ooh, brother, something must be wrong in your life. There must be sin in your life. You know, I don't know. Like, you, you probably got to get some things worked out if, if everything is not comfortable. But is it really true? Is that really truly what it is? Or is that this, this, this subtle temptation that tries to blend the two things of being comfortable and being, you know, where God desires for us to be? We're, we're tempted to resist uh, discomfort. We're tempted to like run away from uncomfortable things. You know, nobody rushes into that uncomfortable uh, conversation you have to have with somebody about forgiveness. We're not like, yes, like, let me get there like yesterday. It's like, ugh, it's uncomfortable and we will hesitate. At least I will. You know, uncomfortable conversations, uncomfortable situations, uncomfortable experiences. We, we push back on those quite a bit. And yet, I realize there's this like dichotomy within us that, that it's, we, we know that there's two sides to it. There's a side of us that's like, oh, I hate discomfort. And there's a side that, oh, I love discomfort. You're like, wait, what? Think about this. Think about people who work out. Why do they work out? You know, the, the difference between working out and the lazy boy recliner. I think I have, yeah, there we go. You know, the difference between that. Let me just say this. You experience growth in both of these places. You do, right? You know, like working out at the gym, you don't feel comfortable. Leave that up there. This is, you see, when you work out at the gym, you don't feel comfortable while you're doing it. But what happens? You begin to grow bigger. And, and then you begin to go around and look for a mirror everywhere. It's like, oh yeah, right? That discomfort was like, it, it caused some great growth in your life. The flip side is not, not as true, right? That you grow bigger in the lazy boy as well, but you begin to avoid mirrors and nobody's looking for like, oh man, how big have I grown? 
You know, Zach talked about it last week or a couple of weeks ago when he talked about roofing and having to work and labor. And, and then at the end of the day, he's like, oh, the meal tastes better. You just, you know, you just went in a hard day's work and you feel like something great about that. And uh, I had that opportunity with my son this week. Link and I were building fences together and working hard and digging posts in the ground. And, and uh, he's like, at the end, he's like, Dad, Zach was right. You know, like, this felt pretty awesome. And I was like, yes. You know, working versus video games. Son, you'll see it here. I better be careful. He's my media guy tonight. <clears throat> but there's this thing in us, this comfort, this comfort battle And uh, I wanted to leave you with a few thoughts to consider tonight. Number one is this, that following Christ is not comfortable. Following Christ is not comfortable. And I would say this, he never said it would be. He never said it would be. You know, one day when Jesus was teaching, there was a religious leader who came up to him. You can find it in Matthew chapter 8. So if you have your Bible... You can uh, flip there. We're going to put a number of scriptures on the screen tonight. You may just want to, to jot them down. Uh, some of them will be up there. Some we're just going to mention. But Matthew chapter 8, verse 19, Jesus says this. Uh, he saw the crowd around him. I'll just go back one verse. Uh, he says, he saw the crowd around him. He instructed his disciples to cross the other side of the lake. And so then one of the teachers of religious law said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied to him, Oh, Really? He says this, foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. He's like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever. He's like, are are you sure you want to do this? Because it's not going to be comfortable. Even the animals have it a little better than, than I do. He would tell others in Luke chapter 14, he told them, you need to count the cost before you come follow me. You got to understand that there will be a cost to following me. It's not going to be comfortable. You know, the, the man who Jesus was speaking to, he may not have followed him in that moment. We don't see him hopping in the boat with the disciples and heading off to the other side saying, yeah, Jesus, whatever, I'm, I'm with you. But we do see the disciples heading off in the boat to follow Jesus and live out their life on mission. And what do we learn about them? In Acts, we, we see the record of the disciples' lives. Uh, Luke describes it for us. And it's so many moments you read through, you're like, ooh, that's uncomfortable. That's uncomfortable. That's uncomfortable. You know, we read through uh, Acts earlier this year with our men's group. And I was just, I was so uh, surprised how many times that I, that I would notice that the disciples were arrested simply for speaking about Jesus. I'm like, they just went out and all they did was talk about Jesus and they get arrested. And then it was like late in the day. So they're like, yeah, we're going to put you in jail overnight. And uh, they get out the next day. And it's, uh, it's in Acts chapter four, we find out what it looks like when they got out of jail. You can turn there. But it says they get out of jail for speaking about Jesus and they go and they pray. And you know what their prayer is? The prayer goes like this. Oh, Lord, please bless us and protect us from those mean men. Help us with our mission to live peaceful, successful lives of comfort. We've done all we can, Lord. You know we've tried. No. I mean, that'd be like my prayer. That probably was my prayer. But what do they pray? Acts chapter 4, you got it? I want you to see it. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. He says, uh, they pray this. And now, oh, Lord, hear their threats. Hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Lord, like, make, make us bold so we can just keep on preaching. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 31, after this prayer, the meeting place shook and their prayer was answered. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they went and preached the word of God with boldness. And then they got arrested again. 
And then they ended up in jail again. And the cycle repeated and repeated throughout Acts. You see it over and over and over again. And I thought, man, you realized it didn't matter how uncomfortable that jail cell was. Nothing was going to stop these men because they were on mission. They recognize we're on mission and it doesn't matter. Comfort wasn't our goal. The command of our commander is our goal. And I wonder if we have that same understanding. I wonder if I have that same understanding that no matter what uncomfortable situations may come, Lord, I just want to be continually preaching your word with boldness. And I thought, man, you know, maybe, how do we, how do we tell? And I thought, maybe I should consider my prayers. You know, is my, what, what are my prayers when I pray these days? Is it, you know, God bless the moon and God bless me? Or is it that, like Isaiah wrote, here I am, Lord, send me. You know, he's at the Lord is saying in that day, who's going to go for me? And he's like, here I am, Lord, send me. Again, that overall, that overarching understanding of, no, I'm on mission for him. I'm going to go where he sends me. I'm on mission for you. And I wonder if we have that. I think many of us, it's growing, it's, it's, it's bubbling up in the hearts of many. And I, I, we see it saying, you know, as, even as a leadership team, just feeling that that's one of the characteristics we need to like foster and encourage in the, the church as a whole. We see it in the lives of disciples. We see it in the life of Paul as well. He describes what living on mission was like for him. Let's, I want you to just see these words, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. If you've got your Bibles, just keep going to the right. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23. And I want you to just listen to how much this sounds like North American uh, Christianity today. Um, verse, uh, yeah, we'll start in verse 23. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I've served him far more. And here's the question. Are there servants of Christ here tonight? Yeah. Yeah, there for sure is. And he says, you know, are there, are there, are there servants of Christ? He's, he's comparing with others it's just in a sense so they get an understanding of what it looked like for him to be a servant of Christ. He says, um, he says I've, uh, I've served him far more. I've worked harder. I've been put in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number. I faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Uh, Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty. I've often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to even keep me warm. And then besides all of this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray that I don't burn with anger? He says, if I must boast, I'd rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. And God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows that I am not lying. I'm like, I don't think I've seen any of those things. You know, you read it and like gave them lashes and you're thinking, oh, they got new eyelashes. That's about as far as we go. Or got stoned and we're like, oh, I know someone who got stoned, but it's not the same, right? We don't see any of these things. We don't understand very often what, how, how uncomfortable it was to be a person living on mission. But I think we will discover that down the road. I think the church, again, will discover that there's going to be uncomfortable times ahead. And my heart and my hope is that we're ready. You know, Paul's famous quote, 
you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me was prefaced by, I've learned how to live with a lot. I've learned how to live with a little. I've learned how to live being comfortable. I've learned how to live being uncomfortable. It doesn't matter what it is. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. You know, you read Paul's list of things and not once in there does he say, you know, one whipping was enough. I retire. I'm good. I'm done. You know, one shipwreck, that was enough discomfort for me. That was the last straw. I'm, I'm done. Retirement was never in Paul's uh, vocabulary. He never had that word. And when I, when I, think, about, I think about retirement, and I'm not, I'm not here to like, make some you know, great statement about retirement tonight. I just want us to ponder that in our culture. Retirement you know, is basically we've been sold the kingdom of comfort lie when it comes to this thing called retirement. That retirement is this goal that's set for, for us in our culture. It is, the, it is that thing that, we, that many are told to aspire to. And it's like this carrot that's always kind of down the road, right? And it starts early. Man, when people are choosing their jobs, I remember Zach was talking a couple weeks ago about how to choose his job. And he's like, man, I was thinking about what's it going to do for my retirement? And the Lord grabbed his heart and said, no, like these guys need to be loved. He's like, oh yeah, that's why I'm here. I'm on a mission. That, that doesn't matter. But how many never see that, never see through that? It's always, oh, it's that, it's that I'm going re- to uh, retire in comfort. I'll, you work your life away and, uh, for an, early, you know, an, early comfort, an earthly comfort at 65 years old. But I ask this question because I've seen it time and time again. I'm getting closer to that age. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I realize when I start chatting with people who retire, I see two things happen. One that I see is that people retire, but they've, they've, they've so ingrained a habit of working, working, working that they can't actually stop working. They, they, they've, yes, I'm retired. I was talking to one guy. I, a bunch of the guys I talked to, like, yeah, they just retired. I'm like, I'm busier than ever. <laughs> what is that? It's this thought that it shouldn't have been, right? If, the, if, the, if it was true, the, the, the earthly comfort, they should have got there at 65 and been like, ah. <gasps> I've arrived. I can rest. But something's been programmed in their mind, and it's like the lie of our culture that says, you know, this is, there's earthly rest here. You can retire, and yet they can't kick the habit. And then I've seen the flip side of it as well. I'm not saying you only fall in these two categories. I've just seen these two categories. The other side is that they retire and like, sweet, I quit. I'm not doing anything, and they're dead a year later. Not having any sense of purpose in their life. There's no reason to get up in the morning. Well, I don't know, I don't know who I am because I just don't do anything. And I would challenge this as Jesus followers. Yeah, you, you may be able to retire from working for money, but we're never to be retiring from the mission of Christ. We may be able to retire from working for money, but never to retire from the mission of Christ. And I'm going to call that out in us as a, as a church that Paul would say to, 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 in his messages to Timothy and Titus, he says, hey, go find the older ones and encourage them to disciple the younger. Go, go call on them to like, they've got life experience to pour that out into the younger generation. Don't let them just wander off into to some, to some, you know, uh, a, a spot of just, oh, they've retired. Help them realize that they remain on mission. I thought about it here. I thought, man, we got amazing grades in this place. I'm not slamming them. That's what they call themselves, right? The amazing grace. But I thought, man, what a great opportunity for them to be reaching out to the newlyweds and saying, hey, I know what you're about to go through. 40 years married. You could tell us at 20, hey, you know, here's what year 21 looks like, right? And, and, and encouraging those things in one another. And I would just simply say this. Older was never a number. How many of you here are older than someone? 
yeah, older than someone. You know, I believe that this discipleship, uh, the goal of discipleship, when he said, go make disciples, he wasn't saying to them, when you reach a certain age or a certain stage, he's like, just do it like now. If you're 13, find a, you know, find an opportunity to serve where there's a seven-year-old. I think like with our kids graduating, some of them out of kids' church. And you're like, you know, I'm, I'm 12. They won't let me go to kids' church anymore. Volunteer for like down in the, uh, in the rumble room and say, you know what? I want these kids to know that there's people who love them and care about them. You know, the thinking about these, these things and realizing, man, as a church here, as Kingsway, we've been blessed with like the surplus of kids, especially on Sunday mornings, but more happening on Saturday nights. Let's not squander the opportunity to pour into their lives, pour into their hearts and see them grow. And the thought is this, it's not just about helping to see them grow. You truly grow when you step out of the comfort zone. You truly grow when you step out of the comfort zone. Uh, my buddy Alex, uh, I think I can call him my buddy, he's, uh, he's marrying my niece. And uh, he had told me years ago about this, guy, this group that he follows called Yes Theory. And uh, if you've seen them on uh, YouTube, they have this brand they call Seek Discomfort. And they, they have these shirts that, that have this on it, to seek discomfort. And their, their thought is this, because the best things in life exist outside of your comfort zone. And I was like, they're on to something. They're on to something because it's, I see the very same thing for people who live their life on mission. They experience the very best things in their life because they're outside of their comfort zone. It's where, it's where this dependence on the Lord, this, this trust in God is so developed and so genuine. You know, we read in 2 Corinthians 12 about Paul, how he had a thorn in the flesh. He's like, God, take it away from me. And God's like, no, my grace is sufficient. And regardless of whatever the thorn was, it was uncomfortable. And Paul was like, I don't want the uncomfortable. And the Lord's like, you know what? It's all right. The uncomfortable is good for you. And my grace is enough. And I think the same thing for us, that there's an obedience to, to Christ in, in every single one of us he's calling us to. I, I, I honestly believe that there's a, there's a step in every one of our walks that he's calling us to that's uncomfortable for us. And yet it's for our very good. And I don't know what it is for you. It may be baptism. It may be that thing of like, oh, man. It's going to be uncomfortable, but I can't shake it. I know, God, you're calling me to it. I'm going to take that step. Maybe for you, it's forgiveness. Maybe for you, it's repentance. You're like, man, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but I, mean, I, I know that I need to surrender my life to him. Maybe it's sharing your testimony and saying, hey, this is what God's done in my life, or, or sharing your faith with somebody. Maybe it's sharing the gospel with somebody. You're like, oh, I keep feeling this prompting to do it, and, but it's going to be uncomfortable. And there's this resistance to that uncomfortable feeling. Maybe for you, it's like, yeah, I would serve in kids' ministry, but ooh, it'd be uncomfortable. You know, I, I'd help out in a cafe, but ooh, it'd be uncomfortable. You know, maybe it's, and it's not even just to, to say get volunteers. Think about this. There's a, there's a mom this week who I, I, I was talking to. She's like, yeah, I can't, my kids, I can't send them to the school anymore, the public school where they're going. I can't send them there anymore. I don't know how I'm going to homeschool, but, I, but it's going to be uncomfortable. But I know that I know that I have to do it and pulling her kids from school. Man, maybe it's giving. Maybe it's joining one of those Bible studies. You saw it up there and like, mm, it's going to be uncomfortable. I don't know anybody. And yet there's this thing on the inside that's like, ah, I want you to take that step, to take that step. I remember being a part of CR, Celebrate Recovery, and how people would share their stories of fighting addiction. And, and uh, many of them would say, you know, I'd pull into the parking lot and I'd realize to take that walk across the parking lot to the front door was so uncomfortable. 
Some of them had said it took us three, four times before we could ever do it. We'd drive, we wanted to be there, we'd leave. We'd drive, we'd leave. And then that one day, I was like, I know this is going to be uncomfortable, but I'm going to walk across that parking lot. And they would walk in, they began to share their story and become set free from their addiction. And, and uh, it was part of their story. But why? They pushed into the uncomfortable because he was calling them to it. He was calling them to it. You know, I think many, when they start thinking about, I can't help somebody else. I don't know what to tell somebody else. I can't, you know, be a part of a Bible study. I'm not going to know what to say in a Bible study. I can't lead a Bible study. I wouldn't have a sweet clue what to say. I'm unqualified. Feeling unqualified. That's uncomfortable. Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it's his strength is perfected in our weakness. It isn't about you. It's about being obedient to, to him and being on his mission. And you know what I found over life's uh, time is that God usually calls the ones who feel unqualified. He does. He calls the ones, he says in Corinthians, it's the ones who the world thinks are weak, the ones who the world thinks, you know, they're not, they're, they, they're not that smart, they're not that wise, they're not that strong. He's like, yeah, perfect, I'm going to move through them. We read through here, and we read these stories of Moses who couldn't talk good. And he's like, doesn't matter. <laughs> you're going to go out and rescue a nation. You look at Gideon, who was like terrified. And he's like, yeah, you're going to be the one who's actually the courageous leader of this group. You see Josiah, he's eight years old. He's like, I'm too young. Nope, you're king. Let's go seek me in your youth and watch what happens. Peter was uneducated. Esther was a woman. That was something against her. And yet God moved through their lives over and over and over. If you're like, maybe you, you, you were challenged by that, that uh, Bible study to join and, and join Esther what is it for you that maybe you're like, oh, I feel like I should do this, but I feel unqualified? You know, my greatest joy as a pastor is to see growth. And it's not numerical growth. I really could care less if this building was full. We see it on Sundays where it's like full to the gills. Uh, and, and it's like, that's not, what, that's not what excites me. What excites me is seeing people in that crowd really growing in Christ. That is what I desire to see more than anything. And so when I think about this, and I think about you know, how, how this, this being comfortably uncomfortable affects us as Kingsway specifically, I want to, I want to maybe uh, cause us to think about it in this way. There's a comfort and a temptation for the church in general to be uh, part of like a consumer church Christianity where it's easy for us to just sort of you know, be able to sit in a chair for an hour and then go. It, it, it's, it's, it's comfortable, that's a comfortable place to be. It's comfortable when you think, ah, you know what, I don't need to give. There's other people doing that. I, I don't need to serve. Other people will do that. It's, it's comfortable. I feel comfortable where I'm at. It's comfortable, you know, for those who meet on Sundays and maybe you're watching online. And it's Sundays. It's like, it's comfortable. Wow, look at how full it is. You know, we, we've arrived. We filled the building. We're done. We don't need any more. And that's like, yeah, but it's uncomfortable because there's not enough room here. And, and I, you know, now I start wanting, it's not comfortable for me. I'd rather, you know, I'll, I'll stay home and watch online or I need it. I need, we need a bigger building because we need more seats or the feeling of it's comfortable, you know, because they serve up my style of music. They serve up my style of preaching. If that doesn't happen, I'm out of here. Or it's comfortable to have all my friends in one place, you know. I, I don't know what we're going to do now as we've grown to this place where we need more space. I, I don't want to see anybody leave because it was comfortable. And we get this comfort in thinking we've done enough, we've reached enough, we've grown enough. And, 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 and I want to push back on that a little bit because I see this, that comfort often leads to complacence. That it's like the rocking chair, that we get comfortable we begin to slowly fall asleep. And what's, you know what's said about the North American church? They're asleep. And I'm like, I don't want us to be that. I don't want to be a part of the thing that's described as being asleep. Moses, when he led the people into Israel to their promised land, he said, hey, when it gets comfortable, don't forget God. 
don't forget him when it's all going good because that's what tends to happen met this Filipino missionary uh, a number of weeks ago. We bought an iPad from him. I met him for coffee again this week, and he was going out preaching at different churches. He's like, brother, he's like, Canada needs way more missionaries, man. This church, like the church is just going on, on the wrong, in the wrong direction. He's like, do they not see it? I'm like, brother, call all your friends and send them over. We need more people who just realize, realize that we need to be on mission. You know, if we as a church, as Kingsway, are going to continue to grow, if we're going to continue to be on mission, if we're going to continue to make disciples, if we're going to continue to reach the next generation, we just really need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. That as things happen over the next little while that are uncomfortable, it's like, oh, yeah, but it's for the mission. Oh, man, I might not have loved that, but oh, man, it is where it is for the cause of Christ that maybe just one more will come to know him as a result. And I say it in that way because it affects us, but I say it in this way because it affects you. As individuals tonight, you know, are listening online or Sunday morning or whatever it may be, when a part of the body's not functioning, it atrophies. That, it, what, it, that, that word just simply means it decreases and it wastes away. You don't use your arm pretty soon, you won't have one. And as the body of Christ, Gary's going to be talking about in a, in a couple of weeks, you know, if, if, if we're tempted to just get into that comfort zone, you do just simply waste away. That, that, that pursuit of comfort comes at a terrible cost. And it's the same individually as it is corporately. That as a church, if we pursue comfort, and that's kind of our goal, the same thing happens. The atrophy happens. The, the, the decrease, the wasting away just happens. And we've seen it so many times in so many other places. And it's like, let's just talk about that. If we recognize it like, oh, I could choose comfort or the kingdom. Man, I'm going to go for his kingdom every time. Even if being obedient to him feels uncomfortable, God help me to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I leave you with these thoughts. We really believe that as a church, as Kingsway, that we simply cannot just be a church or, you know, uh, but simply a, a church that's on mission. That we realize that there's people that are uh, not yet, not yet part of his kingdom, not yet part of the gathering, not yet have they found salvation in him. And so I, this, is my, this is my challenge for us tonight, that you would pray, that you would pray about and take action to step out of your comfort zone, whatever it may be, and serve on mission. To, you know, for, for those who are here tonight, we just really believe Saturday night is our greatest opportunity to grow as a church. You're it. We believe that this this is the place where there's many, many people who yet uh, have not had the opportunity to be connected to a healthy, life-giving church, and we believe it's here. But do you? Do you have it in your hearts? Like, you're right. Well, there's people that I need to be inviting to here. For those watching on Sundays, you're like, I can't come because there's no room. We're calling you to come join us on mission on Saturday nights to make it great. You know, I had one guy, uh, he said, you know, my family and I, we're, gonna, we're going to Saturday night. He said, we're going to go there and make it great. And he said, they were Sunday family. And he says, you know what? We're going to go. He says, I, you know, I, I know how to do some sound. I'll, I'll help volunteer in that area. He says, you know, my, one of my kids will be on this, uh, help with the band. One of my kids will help with media. My wife, she'll help with the cafe. And they're like, we're just going to come and we're, we're going to serve on mission. I was like, oh, I, I, I like that. You know, we had a woman who said not too long ago, she's like, I come to Saturday nights, but, you know, there's no, there's no kids church for kids my age. And then she said, so I'm just going to start a class for kids that are my age. And she's out there right now in the gym with kids her age. They're her kids. And others say, I'm just going to go and I want to serve and I want to minister because she sees the need. You know what she said to me? She said, I don't feel qualified to do this. And I was like, perfect. Perfect. 
Let God be glorified as a result. You're an answer to our prayer. I had a guy who said to me, he says, you know what, I'm not sure what I can do yet, but I just feel this need to, to help with junior youth. And I was like, it doesn't matter what you feel like you can do. Come along because our, we have junior youth like crazy around here who need to know Jesus for themselves and they need to find community. You're on board. Let's go and let's do it together. So, you know, I think some, for some, maybe even this message feels uncomfortable. And there's this, this, there's, there's, but there's something inside that maybe rings true for you. And let me say it this way. We live on a planet. We live on this planet, you know, as earthlings. But as Jesus followers, as Jesus followers, we realize that this is not really what we're living for. There's something missing in what we're living for. And so I'll leave with these couple thoughts. First, one from 1 Peter and one from C.S. Lewis. So Peter says this in 1 Peter 2, verse 11. We'll put it on the screen. He's like, dear friends... I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, what's he saying? He's like, hey, you, you really don't belong here. You're like sojourners, he uses his word. You're like campers here. You know, camping's uncomfortable, amen? For sure, 100%. If you like camping, you're comfortably uncomfortable. You're there. Uh, he says, dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they're going to see your honorable behavior and they'll give honor to God when he comes to judge the world. And you see this the description Peter mentions. He's like, hey, you just get used to being uncomfortable on this planet. And when they say things about you and against you, don't, it's going to be uncomfortable, but just, just be okay with that. Let them see the way you live. Recognize it's not your forever home. It's not your forever home. You know, the, the, the truth is uncomfortable. And when you stand for the truth, it's not going to be comfortable when everyone else stands against it. But it still has to be sh- stood for and shared. It's that question. When I have that dual feeling, oh, man, I, I want comfort. And, oh, man, I want the kingdom. Which one will I pursue? Which one will I pursue? There's no problem with having comfort in your life. None at all. It's if it becomes your pursuit at the expense of the kingdom, that's when he'll require it of us. And then finally, C.S. Lewis said this, I find in my, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. He's like, it makes total sense that when I see in me this, this desire for comfort that has never actually fully satiated or whatever it may be, I'm not meant for here. And I would agree. Kingsway Church, we are, we're not meant for here. We're meant to be on mission here. We're not meant for here. We're meant to be on mission here. The promise of earthly comfort was nothing that Jesus ever promised, and anyone who does will never fully satisfy. But there is that longing for comfort within us, and it has its end. It has its end, but it has its end in a spot that we, don't, we, we maybe don't consider enough. Our eyes are so focused here that we forget that there's a place where we're going one day, that there's a goal that we're reaching, a rest that we're aiming for, but it isn't here. And so I leave you with the, the story Zach started with last week, the, the, the story of the three men, the, who the three servants that Jesus called, and two of them, they were all given talents. If you remember, two of them went out, and it says they went to work. They went to work for their master. And they're like, I'm going to use whatever you have until you return. They didn't quit halfway. They didn't quit like at 65. They're like, it doesn't matter. Until he returns, we're working this thing. And when he came back, what was the response? Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. You, uh, you know, you've done what I've desired. So for all that time, it was uncomfortable, uncomfortable working. But in that moment, man, there was great comfort in those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. 
And then you think about the third guy. He's like, yeah, how, we don't know how long he worked. Didn't seem to work at all. We don't know how long he held on to his talent before he buried it. But he finally was like, no, nah, you know, I'm not doing it. And he buries it. And he lived a comfortable life. Didn't have to work, didn't have to do anything. But how uncomfortable was that moment when his master returned and said, you didn't do, you didn't do anything of what I'd asked you to do. You didn't do what I called you to do. And he says to him, put him out where there's darkness and gnashing of teeth and how uncomfortable that will be. So the challenge tonight is don't feel any guilt or shame or coercion because that's not my heart at all. My, my heart is this, is that you'd pray and say, Lord, yeah, I want to be on your mission. I want to be about your mission. I might be seven or I might be 77, but it doesn't matter. If I'm alive and breathing, you've obviously got me here still for a reason. What is it that you desire for me to do on your mission to win the world, to reach people for you? Don't do it for the praise of men. Man, I'm so grateful for our volunteers, but I can't thank you enough. But to simply do it for the praise of the one that we serve. And one day, we will enter into a rest. We will enter into a comfort that will be so far beyond what we've seen here. John writes about in Revelation 14, our last scripture. He writes in verse 12, he says, This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently. And that's not comfortable. He's like obeying his commands. That's not always comfortable and maintaining their faith in Jesus. And he says, I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this down. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Basically speaking of the believers, he says, yes, says the spirit. They are blessed indeed, for they will rest from their hard work, for their good deeds will follow them. A description of the believers, those on mission for Christ, that they would endure comfortably, uh, uncomfortable, but they would do it patiently, that they would continue to obey his commands, including the great commission, and they would one day truly rest, but not yet, not yet. You know, as a leadership team, just believing that to stir that up in our hearts of that realization, just that simple realization that, the, that there's, there's always going to be a lure for comfort, but it's coming at a cost that we cannot afford. And I would challenge you to think about it, to pray about it, to say, you know, Lord, where is it? And maybe, maybe it's here on mission. Or maybe you're like, you know what? I'm part of another church and I'm kind of whatever, but I feel called that I'm supposed to do something there. Live on mission wherever it is for your good and for his glory. Can we pray? Father, thank you tonight for your word, for the truth of it. Lord, thank you for giving us a reason to even live, to live again. Uh, what you've done in our life is that there's no shortage. There's no shortage of gratitude, Father. There's nothing that, uh, that we can even do to ever make up for it to ever uh, be able to thank you enough. I'm grateful, Father, just simply grateful. Lord, thanks for welcoming us into your family and calling us to your mission. You've given us purpose in this world and in this life that matters for more than this life. Holy Spirit, I pray tonight that people around this room, people listening online, would have heard your voice, truly. Heard your voice drawing on them. God, inviting, encouraging them to live out who you've called them to be. Lord, as your body grows stronger, as it, uh, as it uh, continues to reach out to this world, Father, we pray for those who don't know you yet. We pray for those we're going to meet this week who are just waiting for hope to come from somewhere. God, give us words to say in those situations. Give us courage to speak out whether we feel qualified or not. Lord, may we keep pointing them to you. 
Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for this great gathering of people. Thank you for your church in, in Haldeman and Ontario and Canada. Ah, Lord, thank you for your spirit that lives within it. Pray that as we continue to walk with you, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. Lord, and you would be glorified as you deserve. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm going to leave you with a couple thoughts to take, take home with you. Um, we'll put them up on the screen. But I encourage you to uh, think about what it's like, what life looks like for you, just to simply be on mission for him. And uh, hopefully have a great week.